I'm a firm believer in ads and advertising. I believe if you don't, bad things will eventually happen. No, this is not the shopping cart with the with, with an ad there. Will that hurt? Will that support? Yeah, probably would. If someone's there having a conversation, then they see your ad. Yeah, I mean, your advertising works in frequency. We all know that. So I'm not suggesting that will not work, but a conversation like you and I are having today and having that conversation with someone that's potentially in the market to sell their home and you're giving them sort of different tips and tricks tips and tricks and things they should be doing before they should list their home or different things they can be doing to increase the property or value of their home or just whatever the case may be. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I get to interview Raytheon, and I am so stoked about this because this is the man that can fill stadiums full of people for events. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But then obviously, as you know, COVID changed a few things. And like most people, we have to pivot. But Ray did so in an amazing way, pivoting into all kinds of small community and other types of ways of creating experiential marketing. So uh, Ray, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have this conversation. And let's give people a little bit of the story here. So, so give us a little bit of a flavor of the type of events you guys were doing and what happened with COVID. First off, thank you so much for having me on the pod. Super excited to talk to you and your audience. Yeah, we were in the event space, special events, large social gatherings, world-class festivals. We would take over major league ballparks and our team would come in and host a craft beer, wine and cocktail festival or taco festival, pizza festivals, very lifestyle type events, 21 and over. Uh, these were fantastic events. They were, they were really awesome. And that's what we did for the past 20 years. And then when COVID landed on our lap, everything stopped, obviously no large social gatherings, no bringing people together. Uh, it was horrible. Uh, we had to completely shut down our whole business. Uh, like I like to tell people, I was definitely uh, cutting onions that day. <laughs> um, it was a sad day, but we were able to pivot, kind of got into solution-based thinking and came up with a fantastic idea that was able to give back to the community, retailers, and all the brands that we work with. So how, like, I love studying, you know, um, business owners that are going through tough times, right? How do they respond? How long are they down? How long, if at all, did this keep you down? Having to let so, the team go. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of research. My wife's an educator and all, everything that I was reading, I was, I was on the side that this was going to be a big problem. <laughs> and if you remember, there was a lot of chatter out there on, oh, it's, it's a hoax. Wait till the election's over. This is all going to go away. And, and to me, I was just thinking, worst case scenario, what if it didn't? So I immediately got into solution-based thinking. Again, this is March and April when the world's coming to an end. I started thinking about, like, what if this thing just does not disappear? What if this thing is around? And I knew that if it is, it's going to be crushing to my business. So what I did was I went to the brands, a lot of the brands that we work with. And I mentioned we, we would produce these festivals. So take beer, wine, liquor, food trucks, I'll put them off to the side for a second. The brands that I started going to were the lifestyle brands that were typically at my events. It was the local real estate agent. 
it was the local rep from Geico or State Farm or T-Mobile or AT&T, the solar first, you name it, all these brands and, and people watching this podcast right now, they're, they're, they're at these events, probably this weekend or next weekend. So all these brands were at my events and they were really all there for the same thing. They were all there to engage, to lead gen. Uh, at the time, everyone was shaking hands and kissing babies and stuff like that, but everyone really had the same objective. I have a product and a service. I want to engage with raise attendees and sell them my product and service. So for me, I was thinking, I was like, wow, okay, everything's going on. They're shutting things down. We need to kind of play within the framework. And my strategy was, how can we take these brands that we work with and how can we leverage the goodwill of some amazing retailers? And a couple of the retailers that I first thought of was Ace Hardware. And I looked at Ace Hardware as A, was deemed essential, so the government could not shut them down, if you remember. So I looked at a brand like Ace Hardware. I was like, wow, I'm like these are, they're pillars in the community. In Ace Hardware, it's the, that's the same guy or girl or family that sponsors your kid's Little League team. They support the local VFW. They're a trusted resource, resource within the community. So I was thinking, like, well, if I'm a real estate agent and I'm partnering with that Ace Hardware, meaning if I went out and did a pop-up event, like I would at Ray's event, but I'm doing a pop-up event at Ace Hardware, there's going to be a little consumer confidence when that customer gets out of their vehicle to buy a gallon of paint or a hammer or nails. So the strategy was, let's identify some retailers, um, small, medium, large, and let's go to the brands that we work with, and let's be the conduit to place those brands right when the consumers were at point of purchase and give the brands an opportunity to have a very engaging in conversation with their end user. That was the high level kind of overview and thought process. So breaking this down, so your, your brands are like your real estate agents, your service providers, et cetera. And then the locations are going to be the aces, et cetera, because they're still getting the traffic. And then, so like how much, what, to what extent is there, like you talk about end user, like, is it just like, you know, agents need consumers, they need people, or is like they're a little bit of targeting to the, to the audience, you know, as far as their business proposition? Yeah, let's take a real estate agent, right? Let's, I think it's a yeah. really good example. Let's take a real estate agent. So a real estate agent might want to focus on a territory or an area, right? So if you think about a supermarket or if you think about a hardware store or garden center, it's very rare for someone to drive an hour or 45 minutes to go to the grocery store. They're just... They typically don't do that. Typically, you're going to go to the grocery store or hardware store within your community, within a 10, 15 minute, 20 minute drive. Like you're just, that's what you're probably going to do. So if I'm a real estate agent, I can get very strategic on the type of audience I want to engage. And let's be honest, different grocery stores speak to different types of audiences and different classes of people and different grocery stores make up different communities within the community, right? So a real estate agent can be very strategic on the type of consumer that they're trying to engage. Real estate agents are always going to, they rely on word of mouth. They rely on friends and families, but there are times where maybe a friend or family might not want to work. I don't know why, but maybe they wouldn't want to work with a real estate agent because there's sensitive information. They, they would feel more comfortable of keeping their relationship with their friends separate. So if I'm a real estate agent, Grant, I'm going to advertise on social, but very crowded space. They're going to do all these sort of things. Mailers, but imagine if I'm a real estate agent and I'm now at the local supermarket that's a well-known brand 
that, that that supermarket provides so much value to the community. And imagine if that real estate agent's there just having a conversation. Here are tips and trips about how to increase the property value of your home. Here's how you can create a more energy efficient home. So just by having that organic conversation with the consumer, there's a much higher probability that the next time that consumer is thinking about renting or buying or selling, maybe they think more differently about you as the agent. And this goes for if you're in solar, if you're roofing and doors and insurance, the list goes on and on and on. So you can see why this strategy performs really well and why the brands see the value and why the program is really scaled from a couple markets. Florida and Texas is where we launched the program. COVID didn't exist there, if you remember, in Florida and Texas. Right. They just skip Florida <laughs> altogether. Yeah. <laughs> the wild, wild west. So we launched it there and quickly expanded. But yeah, you can get very strategic and very granular by almost like cherry picking what sort of partners, meaning retail partners, um, you want to partner with. And so this is like... You know, you mentioned solar, which is a good example, because if you go into the Home Depots, a lot, I don't know if they still do it, but I know for a long time they were having the solar companies had booths right inside of the store, which there's a lot of synergy there, right? If people are working on their home, solar is a good thing for the home. And so kind of give me maybe some context on, is it a booth? Like, how, what's the interaction like between the, the lifestyle brand and the, the local uh, retail store? It's, that's a fantastic question. And so... When I originally launched the program, I was thinking it was going to be like literally they're at my event, 10 by 10 pop-up, six foot table, table skirt, retractable banners, tablets, spin the wheel, the whole thing. Like I told the brands, think you need to act as if you're going to the home show, the boat show, the RV show, wherever you normally go to do lead gen or wherever you normally go to get those, those leads into your lead funnel. Think of it the same way. As the program evolved, and we've all been into an Ace Hardware. It's not Home Depot or Lowe's or Walmart, right? Just, the square footage is just not that big. And a lot of the square footage is in a, in a garden center or in these local hardware stores. They just don't have the square footage to be able to accommodate a large scale type of setup. Now or in the spring or summer, yeah, you could be outside, you know, off to the left or right. And you can have that sort of setup that I just mentioned. So it really depends on the retail partner. Um, and each retail partner is different, um, whether it's grocery or hardware or a movie theater. Um, we have a lot of different partners that we work with. So we would work with, if anyone is, would ever be interested in us, we work with the brands and say, hey, based off of the location you're going, you should think more of a podium style setup. Or it's like, wow, we have a ton of space here. Let's go all out. Let's have the six foot table, the table skirt, all your marketing materials, your tablets there, your team's there, your team's all branded up, and you're ready to engage all those different consumers coming in and out of the store all day. So to answer your question, 10 by 10 is usually the largest setup. And then a smaller setup would be more of a podium style where we have some grocery stores that we work with in New York City. And literally every square inch it comes at a premium. That makes total sense. And then so generally, like, what are your thoughts on costs? Like, you know, I mean, obviously if someone's like an agent as an example, which can really relate to a lot of our audience, you know, we, are, we can understand what our commission is, right? But conversion rates, th this is not someone coming in to expect a real estate agent. So kind of give us an idea of how, how should we think about the ROI and the investment of the process? Yeah, so I have a sales background. It's just in my DNA. So when I, when I launched the program, for me, it had to be performance-based. And there had to be 
a, a serious amount of accountability attached to the program. And what I mean by that, I would go to the brands and I said, you are not committed any more than what you commit to. So there's no 30-day, 60-day, 90-day term. It's like, Ray, now we're locked in to this hardware store or garden center for the next 90 days or six months, or we just signed a year lease. No, you commit to a weekend, a day or two. This is really cheap. I'm talking a couple hundred dollars, right? This is, this is, these are not in the tens of thousands of dollars. You can get there once you test, measure, test, measure, once you build out the process, once you now have your strategy and you want to scale the business. Yeah, you're probably looking in more of those terms. But on a localized level, this is an extremely cheap strategy where you can go out for a weekend or two and see if it has any merit. Like, wow, right? This was fantastic. I don't know if these leads are going to come to fruition, but at least I can see how this is working. At least the engagement, the conversations that I'm having, I can clearly see there's something here. I now want to build off of that. So to answer your question, this is cheap. We're talking a couple hundred dollars. We're not talking tens of thousands of dollars to, to do a program like this. Um, any small business owner could afford a program like this to at least test measure, see if it works for them. If it does, and I think it would, then ultimately now you can kind of get into scaling mode. And this is really interesting because agents are very comfortable with the idea of an open house. And this effectively is similar, right? There are people aren't coming into a house, so maybe the leads aren't as hot, but there's a whole lot more people coming through that building, I'm guessing on a weekend than there is coming into an open house. Uh, you know, So by scale, you meet a lot more people. Yeah, I mean, some of these grocery stores, they're doing... Again, your viewers are probably all over the U.S., so it could be 25, could be 50,000 shoppers coming through the grocery store throughout the week. Clearly, you're not going to be there 24-7, but you're going you're gonna to cherry pick the times you want to be there. So maybe now you've just engaged 5,000 people through that week. Trust me when I tell you, something good is going to come, especially if you're there to provide value and insight. It's not going to, yeah, you want to have some of your listings. Granted, you want to show off some of your properties. Obviously you are there, but if you're there to really provide value and insight on tips and trips and different things that you can do heading into the fall, and here's how you could increase the property value of your home by resurfacing your cabinets. And this is a, a renovation you could do to your bathroom. Just providing insight, having that sort of conversation with the consumer is going to go a long way. They're going to give you their contact name and number just to have a conversation with you because they're going to look at you like you are the trusted resource in the market. And for me, if I'm a real estate agent and if I'm a brand trying to I'm trying to figure out what is my point of difference? Everyone's putting out signs. Everyone's putting up ads. Like everyone's doing that. How am I creating a point of difference? How am I cutting through the clutter? How do I look like, like I am the industry leader within the community by partnering with a hardware store, a garden center, or a, a supermarket. It's almost like those brands are now endorsing you. It almost looks like Ace Hardware is endorsing you. So for me, those are the types of things that I like to see. And if I'm a if I'm a real estate agent, I'm doing an open house anyway. I will look at this as exactly like an open house. But now I'm sharing all the different properties in my portfolio, and now I'm sharing a lot of valuable insight. And to me, those are the types of conversations where you just you immediately cut through the clutter. They look at you as like not as an agent, but like, hey, this person's really like a consultant for me. That I'm getting all this knowledge and expertise for free. So that, that's how I would look at it. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, 
Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. And this is a definite step up, in my opinion, than the investing in the shopping carts, right? Because I'll see agents in the shopping carts, like right there on the, you know, uh, printed on there. But that's not a personal interaction. That's, I mean, I'm sure that people get some calls because obviously that's, that's why it's there. But probably nothing like being there, making a good impression and, and uh, collecting contact info. So I'm a firm believer in ads and advertising. I believe if you don't, bad things will eventually happen. No, this is not the shopping cart with the with, with an ad there. Will that hurt? Will that support? Yeah, probably would. If someone's there having a conversation, then they see your ad. Yeah, I mean, your advertising works in frequency. We all know that. So I'm not suggesting that will not work. But a conversation like you and I are having today and having that conversation with someone that's potentially in the market to sell their home and you're giving them sort of different tips and tricks, tips and tricks on things they should be doing before they should list their home or different things they could be doing to increase the property or value of their home or just whatever the case may be. That is just different than an ad. And there's no billboard above the line radio TV ad that's going to create that sort of interaction, that sort of conversation that you're having with the consumer. And the consumer is going to walk away feeling a lot differently about you and the agency that you represent. No ad will be able to ever accomplish that. Yeah. So, all right, I got probably one more question on the method, then I want to get into some insights. So what do the conversations look like? Is it pretty straightforward? Just, you know, figure out who the owner is of that, of that uh, local store. Like what's the process to get them to say yes? You call Ray from Old City Media. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Honestly, that's where we kind of come in. So the, the real estate agent, they're in the business of selling homes. That's their job. It's like, right, I got to find listings, got to find new homes. Like their, their job is not dealing with the events and the logistics and dealing with Tom, Dick and Harry and the GM of the store. Like there's a lot of noise there. So our agency comes in and cleans all that up. So when, when that agent shows up to that grocery store. Hello, my name's Ray Sheehan. I'm here to see Jane Doe, the manager. Jane Doe, the manager comes outside. Ray, welcome. Set up your table over there. Bathrooms are in the back. Good luck today. So our team comes in and streamlines and makes sure everyone's aligned. Every, there's no miscommunication on where we're going. How long are we be there? What sort of marketing materials? What sort of promotions? What can we do in store to create some additional excitement? Can we share this on social? Can the supermarket share this on social? And let, every, let all their shoppers know that we're doing this really cool open house and we have this expert coming in to give out all these tips and tricks. So our agency 
handles all of that kind of that just all that the logistical items. So again, 20 years ago, taking my event background and all the logistics that go behind producing an event at a major league ballpark. Brandon, I'm not suggesting doing a pop-up event at a grocery store is like doing an event at a major league ballpark, but the same sort of attention to detail. So if someone watching this video is like, wow, Ray, this sounds interesting. I'm trying to get my arms around it. They can call us. We would get based off of us being on this podcast, we would give them some free insight. Here's what you need to do. Here's the research you need to think about. These are the steps you need to take. And then if they have an appetite for it, we would do all the work for them. They're not paying us a dime. We work with the, uh, the, the call it the, the host locations on um, the fulfillment of, let's say, a pilot program. So, or they could do it themselves. You know, typically, um, my recommendation would be just call up said location, introduce yourself, let them know all the amazing value that you're going to provide to their customer. And then see how the conversation goes from there. But there is some work. There are some logistics, obviously, insurance and stuff like that. So a lot of all that legwork, we kind of like removed from the puzzle. So we keep the brands laser focused on, just focus on your products and services. Let us worry about everything else. I love sales. And open houses was a method for me in the beginning of generating a lot of business. So I think we would be... Uh, not doing our home or not doing our audience the best if we didn't talk about sales strategies. So let's talk about, you know, like I had a full process of my sign in sheet, how I got them to sign in to maximize those conversions, et cetera. Can you talk to us about the collection of the data? Is there a specific phraseology or methodology that you use besides providing a lot of value to get, to get their contact information? What's that method look like? Yeah. So the, the one strategy that I implemented when I started this program and you understand this and all your viewers do. You're in the mall and there's like some dude in the mall trying to spray you with some like, like new age perfume or like you avoid that person. It's hardcore solicitation. No one in their right mind wants to have a conversation with that guy, right? We, we understand that. So for me, when I went to the brands and I went to the host locations, like we cannot set the, the, the setup or activation like that. We need to provide value and insight but we need to create some stickiness. We need to be able to get that customer over to our table. And consumers by nature, we're just curious creatures. So for me, the key component was the gift card. And the idea was, my thought was, if you're going to a hardware store, if you're going to a grocery store, if you're going to a garden store, if you're going to a movie theater, if you're going to a retail store, you're probably not going there to kick the tires. Like you are going to the hardware store because you need something. Going to the mall for the day, maybe you're there just to kind of kill a couple hours with your kids. But if you're going to the grocery store, you're not. You're probably not window shopping. You are. You need milk, eggs, and bread, right? You need something. So for me, the gift card was a huge component. So now the consumer comes over to the table. Hey, I see you're giving away gift cards, and along with all this other swag and merch and stuff like that. So the gift card is a great way to say, hey, let's get a little quid pro quo, like little this for that. What are you giving me to give the gift card? Maybe it's an email address. Maybe it's a, a mobile number. Now you're dropping that lead into your lead funnel. So to answer your question, the gift cards were an amazing kind of tool or tactic. And oh, by the way, it rewards the customer. So to me, that's whether you're the grocery store, or the hardware store, the customer is your lifeblood. You as the real estate agent, the customer is your business. So for me, figuring out a way to give back to the customer the gift card 
was a fantastic strategy and it was a great way to drive that consumer over to the table to at least have some conversation. And now that barrier is kind of broken down. They're not looking at you like you're trying to sell them something. You're just having a very organic conversation. Boom, you flip them a gift card. They walk away really happy. You now have that email address or phone number. You now pump that into your newsletter. And obviously, you know, the rest is history. So you went from doing major league ballpark events to now managing a lot of events. Like if you had to compare the level of logistics and difficulty, is it harder to do much, much fewer ballpark events? Or like, I think you were telling me you do three to 400 small community events per week. Uh, so, so which one's got more challenge to it? <laughs> oh, that's, you know, no one's asking that question. It's, oh man, I, uh, so my knee jerk reaction is bringing people together, a large scale festival, 10, 15,000 people there, there's a lot there to kind of, um, unravel. There's, there's a lot that can go wrong. So I would say it's probably more challenging producing those large scale festivals would probably be my knee jerk reaction. The reality is these pop-up events. There, we have them in such a seamless way where we have a process in place. We have our best business practice document. We just, we just have a, a, a formula. And then once the brand's there, they're just there to kind of engage with their customers kind of coming in and out. So, you know, it's not like they're, we're producing an event at the, at the grocery store. There just happens to be 2,500 people coming in and out of that grocery store. Well, if I was producing an event of 2,500 people, there's just a lot of logistics, a lot of things that are going on that you just want to make sure that the the the, the customer um, um, the customer's having a really good experience at the event. Um, so I would say the events are probably slightly harder to produce and manage, and I would say the retail activations are a little easier. Um, but both have their challenges, and thankfully, I have an amazing team behind me that makes uh, life a lot easier. <laughs> Let's dive into team building. You had an amazing team, clearly, to be able to run those those big, big events. Then you let that team go when COVID hit. Did you get most of them back? Did you have to build again from scratch? Like, what happened? And, and if so, like, either way, I mean, whether you built one great team or two, can you give us some insights into your team building process? Yes. So when, when COVID happened, team kind of we had furloughed everyone. The team is now back. We have we have a, a big part of the team back helping us produce the events, more on the festival and event side. On the Old City Media side, um, I have a couple partners. Um, some are new, uh, some are from kind of called the old regime. So it's a little mixed batch, but thankfully uh, we were able to retain a lot of our teammates from the, the event side and with the, the retail activation side, um, some, some new and some old. Wow, how fun. And so in the original building of that team, what, uh, what were your strategies? Well, in the event business, you, it takes a different type of person. Uh, I mean, the, the amount of hours that you put in, um, it's, it's, it, it's not built for everyone. Um, and we're in the people business. So, you know, for me, you have to be talented. You have to be outgoing. You have to be willing to, to put in a real long day. And a, a long day of work could be over 24 hours, getting to the ballpark at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and then literally not leaving. You're the last person to leave at 4 or 5 o'clock. So not everyone is built that way. Not everyone um, can appreciate that sort of like hard work and dedication. Um, so that's the first thing. There's just It just takes a certain person to be able to kind of have that sort of stamina. The second is 
the personality. You really, when you're dealing with events and you're dealing with personalities and people, um, there needs to be some strong leadership there. There needs to be just, you know, the, the kind of the go and drive and be able to coach and manage people uh, because you are dealing with a ton of different personalities. Um, so those are certain qualities that I kind of look for. Um, and then probably one of the more important ones, being able to identify a problem and quickly get into solution-based thinking. And problem solving to me is probably the biggest thing. Um, we're constant with an event. They're very fluid. Um, the event's shutting down. And you need to like need to look at the problem and immediately identify the problem and not let it drag on. It's like, okay, this is an issue. I need to fix it. What are my options? What's gonna what's the what's the best path to go down? Um, so being able to be a quick thinker and to be able to problem solve, um, if you're able to do those things, you're gonna be okay in this business. <laughs> I love that. What is your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? I got to say, we're on an amazing path right now. Um, I would say that we are looking to grow and scale. And what I mean by that, um, our business grows two different ways. More brands that we work with, brands that are listening today, like, wow, this sounds interesting. This sounds like a strategy where I'm the roofing person or I'm in insurance or I'm in um, real estate. Like, may maybe this strategy would work for me going out. I think this makes sense going out and engaging with potential homeowners at an Ace Hardware and that may be in the market of selling their home. Yeah, that I think that would be a good platform for me. So that's the first thing, identifying additional brands and then also identifying host locations to welcome our brands. And I'll be honest with you, not every host location wants to have us out, right? I mean, there is a piece of this that one could argue that it's solicitation, right? So a lot, so it's not easy what we're doing. So to answer your question, continue to scale, continue to help the clients that we're currently working with, continue to find new clients. Um, that, that would probably be um, where I see us going over the next uh, 12 to 18 months. Fantastic. Well, Ray, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business. It's so cool to interview somebody that has ties to Major League Baseball. It was my favorite sport growing up. So super, super cool there. Guys, write down something you learned from today's episode. I mean, events are pretty cool things. I mean, open house is obviously a known strategy in the real estate world, but maybe you take it to a place with a lot more traffic. Um, that's obviously something that I took away from today, but you might take away something different. Write down what you learned, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. This freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you too. We'll be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 